The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Spirit of the living God, would you please teach us your truth today? And God, would you draw us close to you as we look at your word? Amen. You may be seated. All righty, we are going to go to Psalm chapter 1. I thought we'd end with Psalm 1 because that makes absolutely no sense, but, uh, but that'll work. This will be our last in the series of Psalm. I, I, did, I should start just with a welcome back, not to you, but to me. Did anybody miss me? I was gone for a week. Uh, you did? Thank you. Two people. Good. Three people? Or are you cheering because I was gone? Either way, I'll take it. Uh, we, we can go either way with that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Francis, I, uh, we were down, sorry to make y'all jealous, but it was 85 degrees and sunshine. Yeah, I know. Uh, we spent a couple days with my sister down, uh, very far South in Florida and had a good time there. And then we decided to try something new. We were up in the middle of the state in the, uh, lake area, which I did discover if I go to that area, I feel really young because everybody there is 20 years older than me. So I was feeling pretty good, pretty spry. Yeah, I'll get that for you, sir. I was holding the door for all the all those old people and feeling pretty young. But uh, we have had, uh, just br- briefly here before we jump into Psalm 1, uh, Francis and I have done a lot of the VRBO and Airbnb things, and we've had a great run of experiences there, which came to a screeching halt <laughs> this week. Uh, we got to this place. First of all, it wasn't ready. We we're supposed to check in at 4. We got there about 4.15. The guy says, I need about 15 more minutes to clean. Uh, so, okay, that's good. But we, Francis had picked the place, okay? So it's it's her fault. Uh, but it was, it was a botanical garden here in the middle of Florida, what they called it. What we didn't realize is the pictures hadn't been updated for a while. Neither had anything else. And the botanical garden was actually growing out of the gutters of the house, uh, yeah, they hadn't done a whole lot of maintenance on it. It wasn't great. But, you know, what do you do at that point? You know, I can't pay for another place. So we, we stayed there, and we were, we were enjoying uh, getting out and getting around. But then the last night, which was Friday night, we flew back yesterday. Uh, by the way, we had a three-hour drive to the airport, three-hour flight, and then a three-hour drive back from Indy. And that took about 14 hours. How's that math works? I don't, I don't know. But a long day yesterday. But we thought Friday night we'd need to get a good night's rest. You know, last night there we were ready. Uh, so we went to bed, man, it was probably about 1030, turned off the lights, went to sleep. At 1 o'clock in the morning, the lights come on in the room. And, you know, my first thought is, what is my wife doing in the middle of the night? I thought, I, first thought I had was she saw a gecko, and she's chasing it around. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what was going on. But, uh, and, but, and she, she kind of was like, what is my husband doing? And we looked up, and there was a man standing in our room. Yeah, that's exactly how she responded. Uh, and uh, it was the guy that was supposed to be in charge of the place. His story that he, made, that he said was that he had decided to come in and get an early start on cleaning. VRBO, VRBO had told him we left early. We think the real story was he'd been out drinking and needed a place to crash and forgot we were there. Uh, we're real lucky we, he didn't crawl up in bed with us, I think, uh, in the middle of the night. But now for some reason afterwards, my wife couldn't sleep. Uh, <laughs> And I don't know if your marriages get like this, but she decided that if she couldn't sleep, it wasn't really right for me to sleep either. Uh, so she made as much noise as she could uh, around there like that. So anyway, so we came, we had a real good trip, but we did not, if we look a little tired, Francis is down the hallway with the kids today. 
Uh, it's a good thing I'm up here so I don't fall asleep. It's a good thing she's not in here because that always looks bad when the pastor's wife's snoring during the middle of the sermon. But we didn't come back real refreshed, but we'll, we'll catch up. Today will be nappy day in the Thomas household, and uh, we'll, we'll be good with that. Okay, now, Psalm 1. We've been in Psalms since the first of the year, jumping around to some different Psalms. I've been having such a good time, I'm going to have a hard time pulling away, but we're going to because we could be in that all year. Uh, our Psalm today, as you can see, it says up there, is a Psalm of Wisdom. Now, in studying the Psalms for the, for the last time that I was, I, I found this six-word description of the Psalms I really like, I wanted to give you. Okay, it's just six words, life is hard, God is good. And uh, somebody said in the Psalms you find really all the emotions that uh, play into our human experience there. You find them revealed in the conversation with God. So it really is just a great way to walk through life with God is by walking through the Psalms and praying the Psalms. Now this particular Psalm is going to give us some guidelines for how to live life. It is going to give us some wisdom. It is a Psalm with which many of you may be familiar, but let's go ahead and read through it to begin with. If you are not delighting in God's Word, resist the temptation towards condemn. That is not Psalm 1. This, next slide, that's Psalm 1. Some of you are like, I don't think that's Psalm 1. Uh, yeah, I, I get confused. I mentioned that a long day yesterday. It was really hard. Uh, actually, this is a statement, though, that I do want to, before we leave Psalms, I want to kind of plant in your noggins here a little bit here. If you are not delighting in God's Word, my tendency is always, oh, every time I hear about this, I failed, you know, again. And some of you, we started the year with a little devotional plan, and you might have made it a week or two weeks, but you're at the end of February, and you're running behind, or maybe you've given up or anything like that. And my tendency is to always accept the condemnation, in fact, pile the condemnation on myself and beat myself up, because what a failure. I didn't stay in God's Word, you know, if I'm supposed to love God's Word, and I don't, and I've fallen apart. Instead, I really want to encourage you. You know, Adam talked about, you know, Lord talked to him about giving the battle to God in very, very, oh, by the way, Adam, let's do this at the end. Instead, let's, let's sing that new song at the end, or at least the chorus. Can we do that? Okay. <laughs> it's nice to hear. Did you hear that, Josh? I'm the boss. Uh, <laughs> Where's my wife when I'm here? Uh, okay, anyway. But, uh, but we're going with that. Okay, anyway, our tendency is to condemn ourselves, and I failed. Instead, how about we stop and just say, God, would you give me a love for your word? And I want to encourage that. We're going to come back to this idea. Now we're going to Psalm 1. You ready? This will look a little bit more familiar than what I was doing there. Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And his leaf does not wither, and what he do, in what he does, in all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, we're going to come back through that a little bit, but as we do, I want us just to realize that in this psalm of wisdom, it really shows us clearly two paths. One would be described as the path or the way of the wicked. Now, I mentioned this before in going through psalms. When you see the word wicked, a perfect, and I mean a perfect synonym for wicked is ungodly. Okay, we oftentimes think wicked, oh, that's, you know, bad behavior, you're doing mean things all the time. It really simply means ungodly. So the path of those who have chosen to walk through life without God, leaving him out of the picture, uh, begins with 
uh, we're going to see the progression of that path. And we saw that there in verse number one. Blessed is the man. By the way, interesting there, that word blessed, remember, has, does have to do with kind of a happiness. It is a plural form of a word that means it's excessive. I mean, this is just really good. And it's talking about the man, not the rich man, not the king, but this is for everybody. We're going to get back into that way for a second. But he begins with the negative aspect of it. He says this is what he doesn't do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. And he does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Okay, so if we can notice, I mentioned we want to look at the progression here. He begins with the walking and then to standing and then to sitting. Um, I had a friend that was, had very active uh, ministry that uh, he led every Saturday night. I thought about this last night because I was riding through downtown South Bend. Uh, he led a ministry in the south side of South Bend down in the uh, rougher neighborhood down there. And they would go out and share the gospel on Saturday nights out there. But I remember he was telling me that a lot of the guys that he'd take with him were actually from that neighborhood. And he said, I had to be careful where I took them because there were certain places that if they went, uh, they could walk by to begin with. But pretty soon he would see them slowing up and standing and looking. Uh, and then eventually he they ended up getting sucked back in. A couple of the bars down there, and, uh, and there's a strip club down there, and he said, you see people, and they, but that's kind of the progression the temptation always takes. It's a slow thing. You know, they liken it to taking a little bear cub in your home. It's so cute and cuddly, but it grows up and, and eats you, and a lot of times, you know, we start slowly. And, well, it's okay if I'm walking in this way, but then eventually you, you, you become stagnant. You're standing still in there, and then you're just sitting down, and you're comfort in a way that you don't want to be. And if you look at those phrases, you're walking not in the counsel of the wicked. Again, put that word ungodly in there. Put those who don't know God. Pastor, would you say then that you should not seek counsel from those who do not know God? I'm not saying anything. Read that verse. Walk not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, you know, if somebody knows how to fix my car and, uh, and he is not a believer in Christ, we're good. But I'm not going to take... Well, sorry, I wasn't going to say it. I was just going to let him say it uh, like that. But he said, do not walk in that counsel of those who do not know God, nor stand in the way of sinners so you end up behaving like they do, and don't sit in the seat of scoffers where you eventually become actually scornful of God is, is where that leads. Cr people who are critical, yes, of other people, but they're even critical of the truth of God. Someone has described social media as a scorn machine, you know, a place where you can find all types of criticism. Have you ever noticed, too, how easy it is to criticize and scorn Christianity as opposed to other religions? Now, I'm not, not a great expert on this, but I looked into this some. You know how in our world and in our culture you will hear, for example, the name of Jesus Christ used as profanity? You know, you'll hear, blank, Jesus Christ, you know, like that. Do you know that in the other cultures and even that practice, if you want to say the other religions, you do not hear that of Allah. You don't hear that name uses profanity or Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius or anything like that, uh, any of the other gods that, that they worship. But sometimes we find it very easy to become scorners, uh, you know, scoffing. Or, you know, in our culture, we live that way. But it begins. It has a progression. You know, first of all, we're listening to those and really valuing the opinion of those who the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So people that don't even fear God, they don't even care about God, we're listening to them and say, okay, we can handle some of that and pretty 
pretty soon we're right with them, uh, following their ways, and the next thing we know, we're actually scorning Christianity, and we watch some people take that progression. This is the way, this is the path, this is the progression of the ungodly. Now, to throw another word in there, let's just talk about that path that they're on, because the Bible does make clear that we choose paths in life. There is a path, a broad path, an easy path, a comfortable path. Riding back last night, I uh, was a little tired, and uh, I was not falling asleep, but I did have a tendency to use the entire lane. We'll just put it like that. Uh, and, uh, and even those little rumble strips on the side, I use those a little bit too, which my wife always appreciates uh, when, when I get over there. Even the dog scowls at me like, eh, that's really irritating. Uh, so, uh, you know, that broad path, though, is easy so often. It's comfortable. And the Bible talks about that, that there is a broad way a broad path that leads to destruction, a way that is comfortable, it is easy, I want to go that way, but there is a narrow way that leads to life eternal, and there is a narrow way of following Christ. See, I don't really like that, Pastor. I don't like this whole narrow way business. You're going to start in this whole thing of, uh, you know, only Jesus, and there's only one path. You're exactly right. If I am going to preach the Bible, I'm going to start into that whole thing of there's only way, one way, there's only one path for that is what Jesus said. No man comes to the Father but through me. Okay, there is a narrow path that leads to following him. And we often are taking the broad path because it is easier. But we want to follow the one who, first of all, the Scripture in our text in, in chapter 1 of Songs uh, talks about the idea that, uh, that he is the one who knows the path of the righteous. Don't we like to be on a journey with the one who knows the path? Don't we like that? My brother-in-law is a former, he actually led in the logistics. No, that's not the word. I think it is. The, but the supply chains for Desert Storm. He was the guy that made sure they had the equipment. He was in, involved in all the planning of that. And then he had a job afterwards where he, wor he worked on logistics all the time. I love to go places with him. He has everything scouted out and planned perfectly. Uh, you know, he just, it's just, he just has, has the plan down. Uh, like he has been there because he has been there in his mind. And he goes through the whole thing like that. But the path that we want is that path that walks with God, for he knows the way of the righteous. Not only that, he makes this path. Psalm 16, 11 says he makes this path clear to me. So that's the path that I want to walk on is following him, not the path of the ungodly, which is the broad one, which is more comfortable, which is the easy one, but I want to follow this path. A third thing about the path of the ungodly that we need to notice is the product of it, or in other words, where you end up. Basically, you end up and you realize that your wins, the wins that you get in life, don't last. Um, I think, <laughs> talking about old age, both Francis and I have become really bad about talking to people we don't know when we travel. Okay, how many of you, you're looking around at dad or grandpa right now? Come on, uh, you do that too? Uh, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's fun, and <laughs> sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. Uh, I actually think my wife's worse than I am. I got, I got to tell you, there's a couple times I was ready to leave, and she's still meeting and greeting people we don't know. Uh, but we're in a line at the airport yesterday, and we're talking to a couple, and they're from New York, uh, upper New York State. And I said, oh, are you Bills fans, Buffalo Bills fans? And some of you that follow the NFL, the Bills had a really good year. But it ended tragically in a 13-second drive led by Patrick Mahomes, uh, everything like that. And I said, oh, you must be excited about the Bills. I'm not exaggerating. The lady stayed and talked to me, and the guy walked away. 
And she said, he cannot talk about that yet. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like seven weeks ago. And, and he, you know, he cannot deal with what, ha- what happened there. That loss stayed with him. The winds, you know, I tried to say, hey, they had a great season. Everything's good. He could have cared less. He could not. Same thing happened. I was at a restaurant. I started talking to a guy in a Bengals hat. I said, hey, you guys had a great year. Said, don't talk about it. Uh, we lost the Super Bowl. That loss stays with you. The wind doesn't. But for the wicked, we want to understand, or for the ungodly, that the winds do not last. Okay? Uh, the, the, if they do for a little while, <laughs> if they even make it through the entirety of this life, they do not last into eternity. You know, when I, when I came here uh, to pastor, what, nine years ago almost now, uh, we had a few older couples that I can remember sitting down and talking to as they started to move into a nursing home. And I can remember talking to their family, and they said, oh, they're in good shape. They have a lot of money. Some of you know where that goes, though, the story, <laughs> where, where it goes from there. Because unless you have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money, uh, once you start getting into the nursing home thing and everything like that, that just sucks that money right out of you in a hurry. And with, I was thinking of three different couples that have gone down that road, and by the end they were like, eh, yeah, if, if they'll allow me to stay here, you know, if the government will pay for this because we're out of money. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the, you know, we realize that, we understand that the things of this life, the treasures, the journeys, the winds that we go after do not last. And again, if they do make it through this lifetime, they are not going to make it into eternity. The Bible says they're like the chaff that is driven away. And there is definitely a dangerous future for those, the the Scripture says in our text, in in the first psalm there, for those who do not Go in the path of the righteous. There is a dangerous future. Now, remember this. When I say righteous, when I'm talking about the righteous, I am including myself in that category of righteous. I am righteous. And it has absolutely nothing to do with my behavior. My righteousness is a gift from God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I put my faith and trust in him. So I don't want, well, we're the righteous path. But those who do not take that path of following Christ and believing in him for his righteousness imputed to me, uh, says that are walking in the other way. That's not the path where we want to go. That doesn't end well. Did you ever look at a situation and that's your statement? Uh, this is not going to end well. You know, a lot of times when a, when a guy says, hold my beer, Oh, my beer, I'm going to go do this. Uh, that's not going to end well. Just, uh, we're, not, we're not going in the right direction. He's going to do something stupid. Uh, and it's obvious like that. But there's a lot of times you, you look at a situation in life and you just say, this is not going to end well. This marriage that you're, you're looking at, you look at it, when we know this isn't going to end well because of the situation and the things that we see. Well, that's what the psalmist is saying. The path of the wicked, this is... This is not going to end well. Read the last couple of verses. Read 5 and 6. He says that very plainly. This is not where you want to end up heading down that path without God. It is not going to end well. But let us turn it around because the psalm also lays out uh, what it looks like. I'm sorry. This is 5 and 6, the verses I just mentioned. The wicked are not so. They're like the chaff. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Okay. But let's look also at the way of the blessed that the, that the Scripture describes here. And the first thing I want you to notice is that there is a pleasure. And, and for acrostic, uh, I wanted to go with three words that start with P. Uh, but uh, it comes from this. But his delight, his pleasure is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. 
His pleasure is there. I read this statement by Martin Luther. I hope this is hyperbole because it seems a little weird. But he said, I'd rather go to hell with the Word of God than go to heaven without it. Probably hyperbole. I'm not sure I'm going that direction. Uh, I have to disagree with Martin Luther on that. But it was just talking about that love for the Word of God, that appetite that he had. I want this so much. I have mentioned this before. Um, you know, when I go to these little pastor's conferences and read different writings, to pa- uh, they always talk about Monday being a hard day for pastors. Okay, uh, a pastor actually wrote that song, Monday, Monday, can't stop that day. Okay, I made that up. I don't know who wrote that song. Uh, the mamas and papas sang it. But, uh, but for a lot of pastors, it's, it's, Monday is a very tough day. And I, I said this before, I do not understand that. Now, I, I guess I kind of do because Sunday afternoons sometimes stink for me. Sometimes I, I go home on Sunday afternoon and pray for my wife because I'm like, yeah, I messed up this in the message. and I messed up this and I forgot to talk to so-and-so and I didn't do this and I didn't do this. Notice, by the way, everything I just said, I, 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 my focus is on myself. As if everything that ever happens here depends upon me. There is no such thing as God's Holy Spirit that actually works in people's lives. Uh, it all depends on Pastor Dan, and if he's gone, he, God can't work anymore. Wrong, wrong, uh, for sure. But uh, I'll have those days sometimes Sunday afternoon, but Monday morning, and I, I look forward even to tomorrow now, because Monday morning for me is dive into the Word of God. Okay, and that's a lot of times I, I, if nobody's here, I'll come to this building. If somebody's here, I, I'm either at home, if Francis isn't at home, or all right, there's a corner in the Martin's Dining Granger that I love to sit and the windows are on both sides. Uh, and sometimes I'll go there and I just get to spend the whole morning in the Word of God. If I'm by, a little bit behind in my reading because I'm trying to read through the Bible in a year, then that's when I catch up first of all. And then I just dig into the passages that we're going to look at that week. And I read it over and over again in a few different translations and really dive into it. And I just love that time. And it is so powerful to me that I wish I could give you all that privilege. I know you're like, yeah, that's great for you. We pay you to go sit in a corner at Martin's and enjoy the Word of God. And and I get that. I really do. But I wish somehow I could share it. I wish that, let's bring back to my original quote, I wish I could get you to to take this approach with that too. I, I wish you could I wish you believed the journey of my life that has been, yeah, I'm going to do better about reading the Word of God. I stink at reading the Word of God. Yeah, I'm going to do better. Yeah, it's better for a while. Then I stink at it for a while. Come on. Some of you relate to that. You've been there, and you said, hey, I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to be faithful to that. And you started down the road, and it lasted for a day, two, three, a month, uh, whatever like that, and you fall away. And I wish I could get you to say that Satan is going to jump on that and use that every time you open the Bible again and say, hey, why are you bothering? You're not going to stay with it, and you know you're not. And I want you to instead bow your head and say, God, I want to learn to delight in your word. Okay, I want you to take that out of here. Now, you know, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I try not to uh, specifically apply every sermon to everybody because I can't do that. The Word of God God is what the Holy Spirit takes and apply. But I would love for you to get a hold of this idea right here, that just when the discouragement comes, and apply it to other areas of your life too. Instead of saying, I'll just fail again, why should I try? How about saying, God, would you help me with this? Would you help me? Would you give that battle to God? Would you help me, you know, delight in you? Would you you do that? Would you give me that delight? Would you give me that passion uh, for your word? You know, God can change our appetites. You got got anything that, uh, that God has changed your appetite on? Pickles? Uh, I really like dill pickles now. I never liked them before. Uh, but, uh, but God will change your appetite and give you that taste for the Word of God. If right now you think, hey, when I open the Word of God, I struggle with it, then begin by saying, God, as I read your Word, would you light a fire in me? Would you, would you help 
uh, me. Now, let's go back for a minute to our verse here. What does he do with the Word of God? He meditates on it day and night. So the second thing, the way of the blessed, he takes pleasure in the Word of God, but secondly, he is going to ponder the Word of God. He is going to spend some time meditating on the Word of God. Now, that word, meditation, brings a weird connotation, doesn't it? Right right away, you want to see me sitting Indian style? You will never see that because only one leg bends that way. Uh, the other one just stays straight all the time. But you see him meditating and Dehu, you know, daylight come and me. Uh, but the idea of meditation that we think of is you got to empty your mind of everything. That is Eastern meditation. You want to empty your mind of everything. That is also kind of dangerous because people empty their mind and then they fill up uh, with the idea of what they want God to be. And they create a God in their image and a God how they want him to be. So I'm not suggesting in meditation that you empty your mind. I'm suggesting in meditation, and I I think Christian medication, (laughs) medication, which could be good for you too, uh, but Christian meditation is taking the truth of God's Word and pressing it down into your soul until it catches fire. Taking the truth of God's Word and pressing it down into your soul until it catches fire. Psalm 119, 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. God, would you make that true? Would you help me uh, to meditate? You know, I've said this before, too, and um, I found this, again, it's just kind of like, hey, this has really helped me. Sometimes rereading a passage of Scripture every day for a week is, is incredibly helpful to me. You know, he's, oh, shouldn't I move on? I read that yesterday. Hey, sometimes I just, I really want to digest it. I really want to get into it. Shouldn't I be doing more? Shouldn't spiritual people be reading the entire Bible or whatever like that? Sometimes I say, hey, take the book of Philippians and read it for a month. It's only four chapters. That'd be great. How about these psalms? Let's spend some time in these psalms and praying those prayers and maybe just rereading and meditating. Yet you say, wow, that's brainwashing. Eh, call it whatever you want. I don't care. Uh, but, but, I, but I do want, I want to dwell on that truth. I don't want to be like, oh, God, fill me with truth. I mean, God has given me his truth, his word. I want to press that into my life, into my soul. The third thing that comes up there. Okay, so the way of the blessed involves taking pleasure in God's word. The way of the blessed um, involves pondering or meditating on God's word. And the way of the blessed, uh, the Bible says very clearly, leads to prosperity. Now, verse number three, he said he is like a tree. That is planted by the streams of water. By the way, the culture of this time, very desert region. So they would understand this completely. Okay, their, their, uh, their tree is going to grow if it's near water. Okay, we're going to plant by that. If you want to be like that type of tree, okay, this is the, this is the path of the blessed. This is the one who's following God. It yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither like the other one that is driving away, and all that he, in all that he does, he prospers. Now, I want to yak with you for a little bit about that phrase. I am not a, th- this idea of prosperity, okay? I am not an expert in any way. <laughs> if you want amen, you want me to just stop there? I'm not an expert in any way. Amen. Uh, we have noticed that about you. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the whole overall picture of the world as far as Christianity goes or anything like that, so I don't comment a lot. In fact, I don't know if I comment at all. You don't hear me talk about preachers and say, ah, this guy said this and it's wrong. I figured, eh, who am I? Uh, I want to just go back to the Word of God, kind of teach the truth of that, whatever God gives me for the week. I'm not really into. But you have heard talk about the prosperity gospel 
Have you, have you heard that? Now, I haven't really studied in that a lot. Some of the pa- pastors are accused of preaching the prosperity gospel, okay? And as I understand, at least the, the most negative form of it, it is basically saying, hey, follow God and everything's going to go great. Uh, in all you do, you prosper, okay? You start a business, ask God to bless it, and it guaranteed success. Your marriage, it'll be perfect, Everything will be good. Everything is going to go your way. You're going to have perfect health. In fact, you'll probably never die. You'll just pass on up to heaven uh, because anything you pray about is going to work just the way you, the way you want it to. Now, that's obviously the extreme, but it is true that we get a little messed up here sometimes because we think, okay, wait a minute, God. I was following you. I thought everything was going to prosper, and it doesn't seem like that that is all happening. So how does this all work? Uh, sometimes... Uh, you know, we get a little confused as far as that goes. So um, I wanted to read something to you. And I know it's kind of hard, you know, uh, just reading something. I, I don't have it on the screen. Sometimes it's hard to pay attention. And this is from a book that none of you have ever heard of, and a pastor that none of you have ever heard of, a guy named John Lynch. But it's called On My Worst Day. And he writes about uh, the way that he has seen God show up in the hard times of his life. And to me, one of the reasons I've loved this book so much because I watched my parents. My parents came to the Lord about the same time I did, which now is getting close to 50 years ago. Uh, but they started; they were older, you know, in life, and they started following the Lord. And when I talked to them, whenever things were good, do you know what I mean? Whenever so and so got the job, or whenever the health report came back from the doctor, they were all about God. You know, God. You know, praise the Lord. Yeah, it's great. We saw this stuff like that. But whenever things took a turn for the worse or the news wasn't great, it's almost like you don't even mention God. And it wasn't almost like it. It was like that. I mean, they were like, you know, no, no, we're not going to talk about God right now. Things aren't good. And so it really caught my attention when I thought, okay, wait a minute. How's this guy do this? So I want you to hear something that he wrote. And he, this is like a journal that he's writing, and it's writing right after, and he's writing right after some of his dreams totally got shattered. Okay, so he is he is having a terrible time, and he writes this: As long as I believe God's goal for my life should be painless and smooth with only happy endings, I will live in a cognitive di- dissonance. Okay, as long as I think that everything's supposed to be easy and smooth. And that dissonance would make me pull back and protect myself. I can slip into dangerous thinking that if he's good and powerful, our lives should be smoother and less messy than the other guys. Bad guys should lose more often. Good guys should win. Uh, In fact, they should win all the time. And sometimes it works out that way, and oftentimes it doesn't. Not yet. Okay? So he says, hey, I'm kind of struggling this. It just seems like I thought we were supposed to prosper. So why aren't things working out better for me? Then he says this, God apparently, and again, this is, this, I'm not reading the Bible. This is just this guy's thoughts. He says, God apparently allows some of the pain of a fallen world to get through to us, whether we're believers or not. It's what he does with the pain and bad endings that ultimately proves his love and goodness. Let me say that again. It's what he does with the pain and bad endings that ultimately prove his love and goodness. Listen to this phrase. If he is able to take all the twistedness that finds us and somehow he's able to turn it around for our good, that would be very amazing indeed. And that ultimately is what he has promised. He said, I will cause all things to work together for good. 
the likes of us. Now, I want to read you one other thing out of here because he, he liked to write himself a little message from God at the end. You know, kind of like, hey, here's what he, he kind of sensed God was saying to him. So if you can imagine, and again, this is not Scripture, this is, this is not, but just kind of go with me with his thoughts here for a minute. And imagine that this is God writing to you and saying this. You might try to let me off the hook, okay, when things are bad. You might try to let me off the hook by reasoning that I'm not fully in control of your world. Such thinking might maintain a measure of your affection for me, uh, like giving me a pass uh, like you would your old grandfather who loves you but doesn't remember your name all the time. But this lie will ultimately ruin our relationship. Then he says this, God, he has God saying this, I am fully in control of your world. There's nothing that happens, doesn't happen, nothing that's refused or delayed without me seeing and allowing it. I am in control of your life, and I love you more than you love you. My character cannot and will not do wrong. I take whatever your journey in life has brought on, I redeem it, I refashion it, I rework it all, in a beauty beyond anything that you uh, can have possibly imagined. He said, I'm going to rework that all. I thought about that as we were singing uh, Adam this morning, you know, somewhere it was, you know, talking again about the ashes that you take. I, I bring these ashes, and, and here's what you do with it. But I, I wanted to encourage, I guess I'd say it like this, I, I wanted to encourage all of us in a couple different directions today. First of all, you need to look and see which path you're on, okay? There's an easy path. It's broad. It doesn't involve God. But the psalmist makes it very clear, as does the life that we witness, doesn't end well. There's the path of following him and knowing him. And uh, if we think that that means, oh, everything from now on is going to be roses, everything is going to be good, the Scripture also makes it clear that that is not what he's saying. On this earth, that is not the case. We, get, we live in a twisted, messed up, sin-cursed world. And apparently, as that pastor said, apparently God allows some of that into everybody's life. But it is what God does with those things that, it, that, makes, that makes the difference as we go through. So I encourage you with those things to hand them over to God. And the other thing that I, I did want to, Jen, just about the whole thing, before we leave our emphasis of the beginning of the year, which is on the Word of God and trying to encourage you to get in the Word of God, I want to encourage you again with, you know, this idea that <laughs> many of us have been down that road of saying, okay, I'm going to get in the Word of God. I'm going to plan to, and it just doesn't, we don't, it doesn't stay with it. And I'd like you, instead of taking that condemnation, Instead of beating yourself up and what a loser I am, I'll never succeed. You know, how's that working out for you? Instead of doing that, to stop and say, God, would you give me a delight for your word? Okay. Would you, would you give that to me, God? Would, would you help me to have that? Um, I don't know. Many of you have experienced going on a diet. Uh, the joys of going on a diet. Uh, actually, okay, this is terrible. I, I, I'm, what, what is it called when you don't like old people? A Anti-ageism? I don't know what it is. I think I'm suffering from that a little bit after my trip to Florida. Uh, because uh, we would go into, <laughs> we'd go into these restaurants, and uh, I'd see all these people eating the same thing I was, which was hash browns and gravy and biscuits, and every guy was just, uh, you know, like that. And they were in bad shape, and I thought, whoa, where am I headed? Uh, but uh, but but watching all that, but I thought about that whole idea, and this really became my attitude during the week. 
When I get back, I'll stop. I've already blown it. I'm going to have one more good day. <laughs> in fact, this morning I went to the gas station and I thought, yeah, I really need to behave now. Well, one more day, what's it going to hurt? I got myself an apple fritter. Uh, wore half of it to church, didn't I, Adam? Adam was like, uh, you got a little <laughs> icing there when I walked in this morning. But, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I've already blown it. I might as well blow it more. Do you ever do that with a credit card? Okay, I've already shot the budget. Yeah, we'll dig out afterwards. For right now, yeah, throw that in here, too. Uh, yeah, put that, put that on the counter, too, or wreck that up. We have this mindset a lot of times that, hey, I've blown it, and therefore I kind of give up for right now. And we do that in spiritual issues. We do that with our Bible. I've blown it. I give up. And, again, the accuser comes and says, you've blown it. You're going to blow it again. And I want to say, shut up, accuser. Dear God, would you help me? And, Lord, if it, and Lord, if I start down that road tomorrow and something happens and I blow it tomorrow, Lord, help me to go again Tuesday. And if I blow it on Tuesday, help me to go again Wednesday. Because it's the accuser that continues to tell you, hey, you've blown it already. Might as well just give up. But God loves us and draws us back and, redeem, and, and redeems us and forgives us and says, come on in. Let's do this thing again. I'm going to ask Adam and Trent to come back up so that we can close in a song. As we do, I hope you sing, but then I also hope that uh, you take a little time and just maybe say, Lord, what what you have me here today? Uh, what, what was the point of this? God, what would you have me do? Uh, and hey, if that whole business about the two roads, the broad road leading to destruction and the narrow road, and you're saying, I'm not sure I'm on the narrow road, uh, that is really mostly what we want to be about here is helping folks find Jesus Christ and that narrow way. So if I can be of any help to you, I'm around here afterwards. Would love to meet you and talk to you or introduce you to somebody else who could. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.